Good morning, church. Good morning, Crossroads. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, all right? I'm in the worship us in the house, ready to worship. Come on, let's go. As many as are able to worship, please, let's please stand and let's worship together. We're going to teach you guys a new song this morning of celebrating the great things that God has done. How many of you can say that the Lord has done great things for you?
to be here. Woo, praise God. God is good. God is good. If you here for the first time, for the first time, raise your hand. You here for the first time. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God is good. God is good. God, He brought you here. Amen. He have a purpose for you and a destiny. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God is good. And remember, thank you, Pastor Ryan. And remember, we have a connect card behind the, the, the pews. If you see, uh, please feel free to, to fill this up. Amen. And, uh, and we're going to uh, pray for you, pray for your needs. And we want to know about you. Pastor is out of town. He's a uh, uh, fulfilling a mission, praise God, uh, a, a assignment, and we pray for him. How many send uh, hello for pastor? Amen. Raise your arms. Pastor, God bless you. Hallelujah. God is good. God is good. We love you. I bet he's connect. Amen. Unless he's preaching in somewhere, but he's not preaching. He might going to be connect. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So we're going to pray to, to, to just to release, amen, release the horses, the spiritual horses, the, the power to release the ego, amen, to release the ego, to release the lion, to release the horses, hallelujah, through worship. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just, just. Just say thank you to the Lord. Hallelujah. And we also pr pray for our speaker this morning, Lord. That you, you use him in a mighty way, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless your name, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen.
I just love the fact that the Holy Spirit is coming ahead of us this morning. Amen. Every time I come up here, it just, Holy Spirit just hits me and goes, you know you're truly blessed. Take a second, look around. You see all those, all the people, the wonderful, wonderful people God has brought in for us to worship together. And God, he's just been stirring in me and says, the harvest is now. It's not going to be, it's not was. The harvest is now. And together, we're going to reap that harvest. Don't know if you guys know, but there are, they are building houses by the dozens and dozens in our communities. Not just here, Sulphur Springs, up in Celeste, Josephine, Royce City. The harvest is now. And together, together, we're going to bring them in. See, God, this a uh, couple weeks ago, God kind of threw a pastor. was like, we have the temple and we have the trenches. Shared a little bit about this yesterday at prayer. We have the temple and the trenches. As the ushers come. See, God has given us the temple to take care of. But it's not about the building. It's about the people. To take care of one another. Take care of the people. So that we can then go out into the trenches and bring them in. But not bring them into just a church, bring them into the family, to the community. So as we, every Sunday, we give you the opportunity to help take care of the temple as well as the trenches. See, God's very clear. He had that, he had that done with the, the priests, would bring in the money to the temple to take care of the priests. The Levitical priesthood lived off of the storehouse, what was brought in. And God just kept dropping in to this morning, blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. The worship team and what they do, the time they spend, they're a blessing to us. Every Sunday morning, Wednesday night, they're here two or three other nights a week or a month getting ready. And as we are blessed, let's in turn bring it back to the storehouse. We have our guest speakers today and... Uh, so this is going to, we're doing the normal tithes and offerings right now. After, um, after he gets up and, and speaks, we're going to take a special offering just for his ministry. This is one of our very own. He's one of our very own missionaries we support through the storehouse, through what comes in. Monthly, we support them. But we want to give you an opportunity to, in turn, bless them a little bit more, a little bit more. 
whatever God's laying on your heart. So right now, normal tithes and offerings. But then we'll give you opportunity at the end for a special love offering. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your gift of us. Your love, your generosity, your taking care of us. God, we pray over the tithes and offerings. God, bless both the gift and the giver. In your wonderful, mighty name, Jesus, amen, amen. Give it up for the worship team, the worship band. Tell you what, they truly are a blessing, aren't they? Aren't they? We give uh, give them some of the credit, but God all the glory, right? So it's my honor and privilege to get up here and introduce, like I said before, one of our own. Uh, Missionary Nick Stuva. He's also has connections and ties to some of our uh, very own here. It's, it's kind of, it's a, they're connected, they're family. So they're family. So let's give a warm welcome to Nick Stuva. Morning, church. Is this on? You can hear me. I, no, some of us. Yes. Yeah. Pull it up a little bit. That's it. Is that better? Through my mouth. All right. Cool. There we go. There we go. This is kind of weird. We're close, man. We're family. As, I'm long, as, as long as I'm not dressing you, we're fine. <laughs> Very cool. 
I just want to start out by apologizing for all of you who are come to church this morning expecting to hear Pastor Mike speak. You guys have to come back next week, and he can undo all the damage that I did today. For the next three or four hours, I'm going to be speaking to you guys. <laughs> if, we can't, if we can't beat the Baptists to, to, to lunch today, at least we can take over the restaurant when they clear out when we're done, right? <laughs> Guys, it's just wonderful to stand in front of you guys and have the opportunity to say thank you. And uh, many of you may not know it. You may not have even heard of my name today. My name, Nick, my wife, Kimbra. But we've actually um, been living on your missionary support wall for many, many years here at Crossroads. You guys have poured into us and poured into our lives. And uh, we just have the opportunity to say thank you for that and to just give a little report. This is the very first time that we've actually physically been here at Crossroads. So it's just a, a fun time just for us to say, hey, guys, you didn't even know what you were doing, but this is what God is doing through what you guys are doing here in Crossroads. So just a, a quick introduction. My name is Nick Stuva. My wife, Kimber, will you please just stand? And Yeah, you have to stand this morning, baby. Together on the screen up here, have some more introductions to make. You can see my, me and my wife there. Kimber is smashed in between everything that she loves. Right there, our little girl, Lexi. She just got married a few months ago to her husband, who was right above her. His name is Aaron. He's a pretty cool guy. We decided that he was all right. He can walk in. Uh, and our son there at the top with the wild hair, Ethan. And uh, that's our family. That's who we are. We're kind of empty nesting right now because our kids are all growing and off and all that stuff. So we're kind of entering into a new phase of our life. But just to give you a little bit more history about who we are and connected, my wife's fa father is David Smith, who is connected to some of the folks here. We see uh, Cindy, we see Rod, we see... We see uh, Felina here in front. Just wonderful to be here with you. You guys, you remind me so much of Grandma Smith. I just wanted to say that so much. So it's great to be back here with family. And for those of us who don't know us, to make some connections, and maybe we'll get invited back someday. I'm not sure what it is. So we started our missionary career 2005. Kimber and I went to uh, Tanzania, East Africa. And there we started working with the national church. And it was interesting, as we started working with that national church, we began to realize there were some niches that maybe we could fill. Does the steam need to be up? Are we good? We're okay? It's a little low? The mic a little low? You need me to start over from again? My name is Nick Stuva. Sorry Pastor Mike is in here. <laughs> Sorry we can't get technology to work. Maybe I'll just pick this up and start screaming at everybody. I'm not sure. But we started in 2005, Tanzania, East Africa. There we started working with the National Church, and we kind of had a different approach to ministry. You see, we began looking at Tanzania, looking where our church was, and began looking on the map where our church wasn't. And we began asking the question, why aren't we in those places? And we found out that we weren't in the places that were very hard to reach in terms of Islamic activity and animistic tribes. Not only were these hard places to reach with the idea of religion, but these were actually very hard places to live in and to actually be physically in. So our pastors would kind of go, begin working in these places. It would get kind of tough, a little bit hard to live. We would come back out of that place. And so Kimber and I, my wife, we started thinking about ways that we could actually empower these pastors to live in these areas as they began to do ministry. So we had some pretty interesting ideas in the early days. In fact, in southern Tanzania, we found out that um, they grew a lot of cashews in that area. You guys like cashews? 
cashews are wonderful. Well, many, many of the cashews that you eat actually come from southern Tanzania, and we found that that area is predominantly Muslim, and we also found out that for $500, you can buy three acres of cashew nut farm. Three acres of cashew nut farm actually provides enough income for a family to live for one year. So we decided to plant cashew nut farms instead of churches. What we did is we got pastors to go down in there, train them on how to do cashew nut farms and how to do that. And as they lived on that land, we planted a church. And instead of being battered by the is all the Muslims around, they started selling cashews to the Muslims and beginning to build relationships that allowed their churches to grow and thrive and to work into this area. And in that way, friends, we have seen such an incredible explosion of God activity. Pastors are down in those areas. Guys, I'm just telling you, the Tanzania Assemblies of God now is going through some amazing stuff. And what it was was just us thinking creatively. Instead of saying, hey, we're going to go in with the church this way, God, give us new ideas of how we can plant your church and build your community, maybe through your eyes. And so we began to see things just a little bit different. Some of the things that we also did is we realized that we lived in Arusha, Tanzania. Arusha, Tanzania was kind of the we call kind of the safari capital of East Africa, if you will. How many heard of the Serengeti Plains? Yeah, Mount Kilimanjaro. Well, to get to both of those places, you got to fly into Arusha. And so my wife and I looked and we realized that there was just a lot of that, you know, that tourist activity and a lot of that has to deal with drinking. And so there was just a lot of excess wine bottles and beer bottles and different kinds of things around our community. So we began building relationships with hotel owners and safari club owners, and we asked them just to drop off their old excess used wine bottles and beer bottles. What we then did is we created a little recycling company that we would take those wine bottles, we would cut them in half, round off the edges, and then turn it into a drinking glass that we would then sell back to the hotel <laughs> at a profit. <laughs> and it was really good because they were able to put that, that green product, if you know, eco-friendly you know, stamp of approval, and it kind of worked out for us. But what we did is we actually took that profit and we reinvested that back into our ministries, working with our pastors in these places to help support what was going on. Friend, and it worked out really well. We called that ministry, we called that recycling company Maria Pili, which is a Swahili word that means second time. And even as we would be in the fairs selling these things, we would have the opportunity. People would say, Maria Pili, what does that mean? We're like, you know, well, second time. You know what? I myself, looking at my own life, I, I felt like an empty, used-up wine bottle thrown on the trash heap. But now, in the hands of God, he has taken me, he's cleaned me up, he's broken me, he's polished me, he has transformed me into something different. I sit on his table, I'm here for his glory. I carry that same form, but I have a very different function now in service and glory to the king. You see, friends, not only we were helping our pastors get out there and do those things and, and make money at the same time, we were using that as an opportunity to build relationships and to bring the glory of God and to speak to people, friends, speak to people who just wouldn't come into the doors of the church. But they would come to our sale, and they would buy our product, and they would listen to what we have to say. Friends, we had such a good time doing that in Tanzania until about 2015, 2016. We felt that God was working on our hearts and asking us to have a transition in ministry. 
We felt in particular that God was asking us to go north and to begin looking at the Arab world, looking at places where you couldn't freely be a ministry, looking at places where you couldn't freely plant the church, looking at ways that we can kind of take those things, that creative entrepreneurial mindset that we had and use that as a way to break into new places and to reach people who had yet to hear the name of Jesus Christ. So 2017, we landed in Cairo, Egypt. There we took about a year learning Arabic and learning new cultures, figuring stuff out. And I just tell you, friends, we weren't called to a particular country or a specific place or even a, a particular people group, but we were called to a specific, a specific style of ministry. We wanted to use those entrepreneurial giftings that God had given us to break open these new places so that we can t tell people about Jesus. In that, we gave our, made ourselves available to leadership and kind of give their, their direction. They asked us to consider living and working in a place called Tunisia. Now, when I say Tunisia, you guys, if you're an average American, you probably have no idea where Tunisia is. Go ahead and open up your Google map. It's fine. Look for, type in Tunisia. You'll see. It's a North African country. In fact, it's the northernmost Africa, northernmost country in Africa, right on the Mediterranean Sea, just south of Italy. Twelve million people live within the borders of Tunisia. About 500 known Christians amongst. 100% Muslim population. And as we walked in that place and as we considered, we visited that place in 2018 asking God to show us a vision, give us an idea if this really was what God had for us. Friends, and I'm just going to be, can I be honest with you straight up? It really didn't hit my soul. <laughs> like we're kind of walking in the middle of downtown. Kimber and I both for two or three days, we're just like, we're just not feeling it, God. Now, Tunisia is a beautiful country. I mean, it's amazing. In fact, as we were walking downtown, we kind of got that entrepreneurial vibe, this, these, this kind of like this youth culture. These guys were about, it felt like there was just some energy around there, very interesting culture that was going around. We saw opportunities. We saw things that were happening, but it really just wasn't hitting our soul. And so that last morning we were there in the capital city of Tunis, we woke up, and you know, my, Kimber and I both were just like, you know what, let's just give this one more chance. God, if you want us to be here, just show us a clear sign. Give us something that we can really latch onto and feel. So what we did is we opened up our Google map and we typed in co-working space. Has anybody heard about co-working spaces? These are kind of like an urban type of a deal, but basically it's a big place where there's a bunch of little offices and like these young startup entrepreneurial guys come in and pay a little bit and all that stuff. And we decided to say, hey, if there's some really cool stuff going on here, we want to meet some cool people. And usually co-working spaces tend to attract those kinds of people. So we found this one of little co-working space. It was called Tweeza. Just hit the thing, and we followed it. And we went to this old building, and on the plaque, you know, you see all the placards of all the businesses that are inside that building? We saw one little sticky note. It was a sticky note that said Tweeza. I'm like, well, I guess that's it. So we go inside a long, dark hallway. You can cue the eerie music if you want to. <laughs> up a corkscrew stair, and we get to this door, and another sticky note right there, it says Tweeza, and so we knock on the door, and nobody answers, knock again, we says call this number, so we try calling a number, no one was getting anything, you know, so finally, after a couple of minutes, I guess this isn't the place, this isn't Tweeza, a young man actually opened the door, and his hair is kind of disheveled a little bit. He had actually been kind of snoozing a little bit there in his office. He welcomed us in, and on the wall there's art, different kind of graphic things all around, kind of, a, kind of an interesting little place. But we meet this young man who just had opened his co-working space a couple of weeks before, and he introduced himself as Jihad. 
Now, Jihad is a pretty cool guy at the end of the day. It's very interesting. He's a visionary. He's passionate about life. He loves to do videos. He loves to, to make documentaries. He's passionate about agriculture. He's all about startups. He's all in this entrepreneurial vibe. And he invited us to coffee. And about two or three hours later, Kimber and I realized down, downtown Tunis on the avenue after having a sip of coffee that we had spent all this time listening with him. And it was interesting because as he was talking, it was like, oh, man, we did that in Tanzania. Oh, man, that's what we used to, we used to do that in Tanzania. Oh, man, we did that. And there were so many points of connection. At the end of that conversation, the spirit just led Kimber to ask a simple question she had. Have you ever met a Christian? Now, Jihad is well-connected. Jihad's about 28 years old. Jihad, is, he was what we call a globalized citizen, if you will. He speaks Arabic, French, English fluently. He also knows some Italian, Germany. He is very well-connected. He is, he is very well-educated. He puts himself in positions to know and understand information. Yet, at his age, 28, without having anything, he responded to us and said, No, I have never met a Christian in my life. So how will they know if they haven't heard? Kimber just looked at him and said, well, Jihad, you know two Christians now, and we're going to find a way to come back to Tunisia and work with you. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I guess the Lord uses the power of the Holy Spirit through my wife to answer the question, should we come to Tun Tunisia? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But it came immediately at that place at the same time when she said those words, kind of like this weight and gravity entered into our souls. Friends, think of it. 12 million people. 12 million people in this country, yet only about 500 Christians that were known. Kind of hit to that thing, you know, thinking about it a little bit, kind of brought to my attention. You know that story. You know, guys, we're, we're, we're church people, right? We know that story about the talents that Jesus spoke about about how the master comes, he tells the, he tells the parable, right? About the master comes and he gives five talents to one of his servants, he gives two talents to another one of his servants, he gives one talent to the one. And we go on into the story and we find out that when the master returns, the one who has five has multiplied it into ten, the one who has two multiplies into four. But there was that one. There was that one. In fact, friends, if you want to, I'm not really going to be diving too hard into the word today, but I'm just going to use some words here. When the master comes back to that one and says, what have you done with my talent? This is the response that he gives to him. In verse 24, this is Matthew 25, verse 24. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I was afraid. I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have, you have what is yours. What I want to focus in today, friends, is that initial phrase that the, that the, the servant responds. He looks at the master and he says, Master, I knew you to be. Just let that think in, sink in for a little bit. You know how the story ends. He gets called, the, the master calls him a slothful servant and casts him out, strips everything that's away from him, casts him out on the end. And it seems to me that this, this servant looks at the master and says, I knew you to be, but the actions of the servant 
didn't follow with the knowing that he had in his mind. I knew you to be a hard man and this and that. So I decided to be afraid <laughs> and go do something opposite of your expectation, Master. Now, friends, we hear this, we've heard this, you guys have heard this story, right? Yeah? Do you want me to, do I need to read it all? Go through the, we understand the story, right? This idea of the master coming and instilling talents, a sum of gold in the, in the, in the, in the story, but really it kind of represents anything that has been given to you in stewardship of and care of responsibility for. We know that God has given us things, community, time, resources, ideas, family, history, identity, culture, all of these things are wrapped up within who God is and how he has instilled it for us to use and to steward so that when he returns and comes and asks of it, we have a return for him. Look, you have given me this. It has been multiplied into this. Now I return to you what is already yours, God. It's not mine. Oftentimes, friends, we hear this story in service to the church. It's a great one. huh? Bring your talents to the church. You know what? I'll just tell you something, friends. I know that Pastor Mike isn't here today, but man, he has done a great job. He seems to be really talented. Talented in the fact that he has not created a culture that revolves around his personality, but he has created a culture that revolves around the presence and the power of Jesus Christ. It was very clear and evident today. Pastor wasn't here, and you guys didn't even respond, because you guys like, we're here for Jesus anyway. Pastor seems to have a talent to point you towards Jesus. And that's what we're talking about, friends. Come to the church. He asked for your service. He asked for you to volunteer. Man, brother bass player, I saw you up here, and I heard the notes you were dropping. It was good stuff, man. I was very aware of it. You hit those high. Oh, man, it was good. You blessed me with the talent that God has put into your hand and in service to your church. Your talents, your giftings, the things that God has put into your heart. You come to the church and you serve in this place. And friends, that's often the context that we hear this. But friends, I want you to think about and consider. Sometimes we might get a little bit arrogant with that talent that we've received. Well, pastor, I've come, or pastor or anybody I've come, God, look at me, I've had this servants and this stuff, and what I've done is I've served the church and I've brought it to the body and I've edified the saints. But the question is, is have you used that service for multiplication? You see, the other two servants that came here, the one that had five to ten, the one that had two to four, they were saying, well done, good and faithful servant. But the faithfulness was connected to the multiplication. Friends, I've just been, I've been walking around and traveling around the U.S. church right now, and there's a lot of us who are being very faithful but that doesn't mean that we're all being very fruitful with what God has given to us. You see, the fruitfulness comes from the evidence of multiplication. Fruit is nothing on its own. What is the main purpose of fruit, friends? To be planted and bear more fruit. If it doesn't bear more fruit, it either wasn't a very good seed or maybe it was plastic sitting on your table. <laughs> well, I've come to church and I faithfully served and I faithfully served and I... But you know what, friends? Your service doesn't end at the back doors when you walk out. Your service is extended with you into this community. Faithful service, receiving the talent that you have, means that, yes, you come and you play the piano. Yes, you come and you serve your church. But, yes, you also go back into the place of your service in your community. You're here working with the youth. You're here working with the children. But you're also faithfully serving your master in the education, at the workplace, when you're there in the school. 
If you're there as an accountant, making sure that you're working on the board, that all the finances of the churches are working out and all that stuff, but you're also making sure that the numbers work at work when you're there five or six days a week. You're here making sure that all the legal, um, everything's legal and everything's done according to the way it's supposed to be, but you know what? You're also in the community acting as that lawyer, making good and just decisions, defending rights. You're an artist, you're here, you're creative, you're a musician, but you're also serving here, but you're also multiplying that gift in the community, bringing light and life into the commu musician community that is around us as well. You see, friends, it's not enough to be faithful here in the church for these four walls. It only matters if you are fruitful with that faithfulness and you see the multiplication into your community. Friends, this isn't a, I feel kind of, I, I might be preaching to the crowd here because I feel you guys already get it. <laughs> I mean, it's evident. I mean, Pastor is up here, he's just like, think about Sulphur Springs, think about commerce, think about all these places. The city is growing, the things are coming out here. In fact, I ask, hey, when does the Metroplex end? Somebody said, it ends at Bucky's. <laughs> supposed to. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you guys, we've been living in Waxahachie for the past year, and I, I, thought, the, I thought that the Metroplex ended at, at, um, at Interstate 20. Nope, the Metroplex is Waxahachie nowadays, friends, and the, the property values are, are reflecting that. <laughs> but the very fact that you're aware of these things, the very fact that you know that these things, and the very fact that you're here means that you know and understand, listening to Pastor Mike and all of his service and faithful duty to you guys, that you are taking what God has given you. You're becoming here, coming here, being edified, and then you're moving into the community, bringing God's light, sharing the salt and the light in this place so that people will know that Jesus Christ is real and we are here on this earth to glorify him. Friends, and it's real and it's evident. It's evident the fact that you have so many missionaries that you guys support, and through your service and through your prayers and support of missionaries, you are casting that net as wide as you possibly can, faithfully entrusting what God has called those missionaries to do and playing your part by praying and giving and being a part of what they've done. Friends, things are happening in Tanzania because of what you guys have, have, have sown into our lives, and you are a part of that. At the end of the day, friends, don't come and say, Master, I knew you to be, but then act different than what the Master expects of you. Come to the Master and say, Master, I knew you to be, and then show the, the fruit of your labor. Show the fruit of your service. Show the fruit of what God has invested into your life so that you can bring glory to his name and bring glory for his kingdom in this earth. As we kind of look at all that stuff, that weight I said that we felt of Tunisia, saying, oh man, we've just committed to this place, we've just committed to this young man's jihad. I'm like, God, it may feel like just one talent, one talent right now. Friends, it's not, you, you can't just walk into Tunisia as a missionary. You can't walk into Tunisia, into Tunisia as a minister. You can't get a legal license for it. You can't get a legal identity for, to build and to start a new church in Tunisia. You just can't do it. Now, there are churches there. There are the Catholic Church, the, the Anglican Church, churches that were kind of grandfathered in because of colonialization, but to get a new registration, friends, there's no legal rights. So we kind of had to tap into that a little bit more and say, okay, God, if jihad is here and he needs to hear about us, how are we going to be here? What is a way for us to both hit the heart and the mind of the people here into, into Tunisia in a way that we can live legally and a way that we can live fruitfully for you? 
We did a little bit of research and we found out that Americans can start a business really easy. So for about $500, $600, we started a business. My wife and I created a consulting company. It's basically just a service company. We can offer any kind of service that somebody is willing to pay me for. So get pretty creative on how to get people's money out of their pocket. <laughs> but it's just that idea. We tapped into that entrepreneurial spirit that we met and saw was jihad and just began offering our services from our experience of what we had done in, in Tanzania all this time before. And as we began to introduce ourselves, we just put on our little business card and handed it to people. And they look at it and they see and they said, oh, 11 talents. What does that mean? But in their Arabic French accent, they're like, Z talent, uh, Z talent, what is Z talent? We spell it X I, which is 11, because actually Tunisia is a former Roman colony, so we kind of did it. And we did talents, and we spell it in a way that's an Arabic way, just so that kind of people make kind of a connection between the two. And honestly, it was easier to get digital property for WWWXI talents. It's, it's much cheaper than a different, <laughs> different name. But people are like, what is, this, what is this XI Talents? What does this mean? We just say, hey, my name's Nick and Kimbrough. This is who we are, and we're Christians. And we go to our word, the Holy Bible, for our source of inspiration and direction. And we find in that word this wonderful story, and we share the story of the talents. And at the end of that story, friends, at the very end of the story, the one who has one, it's stripped of him, and it's given to the one who has 10 talents. He now has 11 talents. And we look at that people and say, hey, we're just asking the question of you. What has God put in your hand? Is it time? Is it money, resources? Do you have relationships? Do you have ideas? Do you have passion and energy? What has God put into your hands? Let's multiply that so that we can see a better future for Tunisia. And friends, and those guys, when they see that, they're thinking a better Tunisia is better economics, less corruption, greater autonomy within the, 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 the structure of that town. But for us, friends, better Tunisia simply means that they know and accept and they turn their eyes towards Jesus Christ. And transformation not only happens on the inside, but then moves into their communities. And we begin to see church planting movements all over Tunisia, friends. That is what we're longing for and hoping for. But it starts with a silly little business card that says 11 talents. <laughs> Friends, and in that way, we just build connections. We're doing different things. We respond to as we need to. It's really interesting when you start working with young entrepreneurs and startup and, and different things. You take advantage of many different opportunities. You simply say yes to everything that comes around. We do leadership seminars and started doing leadership seminars for free. And then got a couple of gigs that maybe $200, and now $500 comes into the business. But you know, we start out from the very beginning and say, hey, Mick and Kimber Stuva, we're 11 talents, and we're Christian. And in that moment when they say that, those guys are just like, yeah, that's cool, that sounds great. But then when I reference back and say, hey, and your team dynamic, doing some leadership stuff, on your team dynamic, you guys got a little bit of friction, what's the Arabic word for grace? And they'll say, Oh, yeah, or Hemma. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But, you know, a Christian understanding of grace is re receiving a gift that you didn't deserve, just like what Christ has done for us. What kind of gift can we give to each other, even if we don't deserve it, of kindness and generosity and patience? You see, as we're working, doing our professional, our, our professional things, bringing quality service, we're always pointing the way back to Jesus, taking advantage of every opportunity that we have, Friends, in, in this way, we began, kind of people began hearing who we are. We got an invitation to be a part of the Rotary Club. You guys heard of the Rotary Club? <laughs> 
It's actually, it's actually a really thriving big organization in Tunisia, and we got invited to be a part. There was these young Muslim uh, entrepreneurs and kind of like these business people. We call them kind of trust fund babies. They're these guys who are basically just waiting for their moms and dads to kind of pass on so they can inherit what's going on. And in the meantime, they want to do good work to make sure that they're, you know, showing themselves, you know, uh, responsible and qualified to be able to take over the family inheritance. Then they wanted to get together and make this Rotary Club and they wanted the distinction of it being the very first English-speaking Rotary Club in North Africa. And it just so happens that because of what we had done, the community, they said, hey, maybe you guys would like to be a part. We happen to know English, so it worked out really well for us. We walk in and do all that stuff. And it turns out that these guys are just really cool people. We love hanging out with them. They're making their plans. They're making their programs. And it was really interesting. After one meeting, they decided that they were going to do an action. And so this action actually came around the same time about COVID. Actually, COVID had been around for a full year by this time. And they had turned out, it turned out that there were sub-Saharan Africans who were made the, the trek across the Sahara Desert, and they got caught in Tunisia during COVID. Their whole idea, the end game for them was trying to get into Europe, but they couldn't make it that far. So they're here in Tunisia. They're just sitting around. Actually, they began to kind of congregate around the Catholic Church. And so these young Rotarians, who are again Muslim, they decide that they're going to reach out and help these young, help these um, refugees by bringing food and diapers and just sort of aid, clothes. And they decided that they were going to do this action at the Catholic Church on Christmas. <laughs> So they look at me and they said, hey, Nick, you're a Christian, right? Like, yeah. And they're like, you've done some stuff like humanitarian work down in Tunisia before. I'm like, yeah. They're like, hey, why don't you do a seminar for us on dignity? I'm like, okay, I'll do a seminar for you on dignity. I just talked to them about dignity, doing the thing back and forth. And I got to that point where I said, you know, dignity is God showing us his love and mercy during Christmas. It's like, what is the Christmas story? It's like the Christmas story is God showing dignity to humanity and providing for us a way back to him through his son, Jesus Christ. I said that right there in front of the people. In fact, one lady just, why are we talking about religion? <laughs> I'm like, because we're going to go to a Catholic church during Christmas, working with Christians. You need to bring dignity to them by understanding a little bit about the Christian religion. And here's the very key part of that. Jesus Christ loves you, and God sent him to son to the earth to die for us friends it was a crazy that day happened those muslims came into that service and it's a it's a catholic church it's all there it's this stand up down this and that and rosary whatnot it was actually the first time that i had ever been in a catholic service too i was trying to coach these guys along a little bit but i was just as lost as they were in all of it it was actually a really fun really fun time Afterwards, we meet the refugees. They're giving their things out, doing their program, meeting, telling stories, doing really, just really fun stuff. I had my camera, and I was starting to do just a little bit of documentation for that day. And um, I was walking around the church taking pictures, and I stepped outside of the church because the church had incredible front doors, these beautiful wooden doors. And I was taking pictures of the wooden doors, and I got a tap on my shoulder. And I look over, and there's a rather tall darkly dressed, sunglass guy, you know, tapping me on the shoulder. He said, where's your permit? I'm like, oh, I'm like, okay. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, a permit? He's like, are you media? Media has to have a permit. I'm like, oh, 
I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, we're with the Rotary. I'm just taking, I'm documenting the day. I'm just here with our friends. Well, what do you do? You have no permission to be here. I'm like, no, no, no. Our friends invited us here. We're just, I, you know, I'm kind of pushing everything I know about my French and Arabic at this moment. It turns out this guy is secret police. And part of the secret police detail is that they're always monitoring where there are refugees and they're always monitoring the church, these old churches that are in these places always monitoring the activity and then they saw a white dude in there taking pictures that kind of got suspicious and so I kind of got to the end of what I could do and he was really aggressive towards me so I just kind of ducked back into the church and I go get my friend Ahmed. Ahmed is not Tunisian. Ahmed is actually Egyptian. He's actually living in Tunisia as part of the Arab League of Nations and he's part of the Rotary Club and you have to understand that Ahmed is like this tall <laughs> And I just tapped, I was like, Ahmed, I was like, there's a guy out here, I need some help, can you help me out right now? He's like, yeah, so he goes out, and he confronts this policeman, he's like, what are you doing? And the policeman's like, da, 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 and it gets, turns into Arabic, and you have to understand that Arabic is a really rough language anyway, it kind of feels like they're cussing at you all the time. It really does. Even though they're being really nice to you, their language is kind of harsh. These guys kind of getting out of each other. And it turns out that Ahmed pulls out his identity. He's basically a diplomat. He's like, these are my friends in here. You need to leave us alone. He grabs the, the, the policeman's collar and escorts him off the property of the church and throws him out. <laughs> the policeman's here and Ahmed's here. And he's just like, side. The relationships that he had built the activities that they had decided to do together, and he wasn't going to let that government and that secret guy, that secret police guy, get in the way of that day. He was defending his relationship. We were fortunate to be a part of Ahmed's relationship because why? We had a business that allowed us to step into the community to provide good service that allowed us to build relationship with Ahmed to do those things. We became a part of what was going on, friends, and that's what it means. When we sit here and we think about this idea of talent, we can be faithful just with that little bit, but friends, to go into the community, we have to give of ourselves. We must take out what is in our pocket and we must give to the community so that we can build relationship and gain the credibility to say the things that we say because when we say those things it bears weight with what we say to and what it means it's authentic every time we hang out with Ahmed he knows that he can't smoke a cigarette around Kimbra he just knows it because Kimber's like, you can't smoke those cigarettes they're bad for your health and da 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 he's like, I know Kimbra but I just need a cigarette but they know who we are they know what we stand for and they respect what it is not because of not because of anything silly, friends, but it's because of the relationship and the credibility that we have built being with them. In that, friends, we would love to say that Ahmed is a Christian now. We would love to say that Jihad is a Christian now. But the truth of it, it's not yet. It takes time. It takes a long time. So, friends, today, I'm just asking for your help to go back to Tunisia. I'm asking for you to send us back. I'm asking for you to send us back filled up with your prayers, ready to go with our storehouses so that we can be in Tunisia and we have the opportunity to carry on in the community and find one more person like she had. 
to find one more person like Ahmed so that we have the opportunity to build that relationship and to authentically and constantly bring the word of God into their life until the point where God, it switches on and he, they reach out and say, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ is my savior. And then he begins to speak and then he begins to tell and then begins to perform a church. And from that church, Lord, we begin to see a movement going across Tunisia until Tunisia is transformed in the, for the glory of God and they too are added to the registry of what we'll see one day in heaven. So I'm asking for you guys to send us back. You've already been helping us do some cool things in, in Tunisia, Tanzania, and friends, as we go back now, we're gonna find one more place. We're gonna find one more business to be a part of. We're gonna find one more way to be a part of what's going on. We're gonna find one more soul so that they would have an opportunity to say, yes, I've heard about Jesus. And it happens, friends, because of relationship. I do apologize that this is the first time that I've been to come to your church actually in the past 10 years, but it's kind of the nature of things, isn't it? <laughs> if I was here all the time, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing over there, right? <laughs> it's the expectation. But the truth of it is, friends, we already have this relationship. It's already been We're returning for those like Ahmed, and we're going with you behind us, your prayers, your support, and everything that comes with this idea that we have of missions. Thank you very much, guys. I'm going to do something uh, real quick and a little different. Why don't we have you two stand up right here. We're going to surround you and pray over you. As God has given us the ability to start with your first challenge, which is to pray for you. Uh, can I have two or three um, come up and, and lay their hands on you? Crystal, can you come on up? And where you're at, just stretch your hand out. God, we thank you for the passion that you've given these two to reach a new country. God, you have already started to open doors. Lord, kick down new doors. Open them wide so that they can be able to spend time ministering to the people of that area. God, we love you and we thank you. We give you the praise and we thank you that their passion can help us and keep, get us onto that next level, God. To where we start thinking outside the box, outside the church, to how we can bring in. God, give the, continue the passion, the fire that you've given them as we are able to Send them with our love and our prayers. And we can help them with their storehouse. God, we, we physically can't go where they're going to go, but we definitely can be there in spirit and support. God, I thank you so much. We pray over the, the offering that we're going to be taking here in a minute for you to send them back to their new country. God, we thank you so much in wonderful, wonderful name. Be a blessing in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right, gentlemen, if you would come forward. We're going to go ahead and uh, take an honor.